Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Windows Weekly is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Windows Weekly with Paul Thorat, episode 204, recorded April 13th, 2011. I'm in a cab. Windows Weekly is brought to you by Go to Assist Express. Giving tech support in person is expensive and time-consuming. Save time and money and look like a hero to clients or colleagues with Go to Assist Express. For a free 30-day trial, visit gotoassist.com slash windows. And by squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free 14-day trial, go to squarespace.com slash windows. And by hover.com. Hover is domain name registration and management that's simple. For Hover's transfer concierge service, free for our audience, go to windows.hover.com. It's time for Windows Weekly. Everything you'd ever want to know about Microsoft. And wait a minute, where am I? I'm in some strange space. <laughs> I was going to say. What's what, going on? What is going on, Leo? Because I, I just walked in the door and apparently there's a trade show here. There's a trade show. I'm in the sky booth. Yeah. Here at uh, the beautiful National Association of Broadcasters show in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, it is. Have you, did you get have you, no. you After the show, you got to wander around. A when I, I, even walking in the door, I didn't see this because you, I was shuttled. Yeah, we pushed you right in right here. In we said, here. you have no time to get on the air. But uh, first of all, great to do a show with Paul Thorat in the flesh, so to speak. Yes. You're wasting away. <laughs> Not really, but I have ways to go. But thank you. Uh, Paul is uh, the host of Windows Weekly. He is, of course, the man in charge of the super site for Windows, winsupersite.com, editor-in-chief uh, at that fabulous site. He's also news editor for Windows IT Pro, and he, he's slapping Burke away as we speak. I love that. There's a gremlin under the That's table. That's great, because you know Burke's hand has been reaching up throughout the entire week, and nobody has yet slapped him. Does he work here? Or no, no, he just likes to... He's, <laughs> He has a fetish. Okay. Um, Paul is uh, also news ma- news editor for Windows IT Pro, Penton Media Analyst, and uh, an author of many Stuff. great books. I didn't bring the Delphi yeah. A6 no, Super No, it probably would have exceeded your carry-on <laughs> allotment. I'd have to have a, have a bag just for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, his latest book, of course, Windows Phone Secrets. He's the Windows Phone Guru, and you're not here for the National Association of Broadcasters. No, this is a silly waste of time, from what I can tell. <laughs> so, Why would you ever want a actually, transmitter? If you, if you don't mind, yes. Would you? What? What is this? What happened here? <laughs> Train wreck. No, actually, this is like CES, but for professional broadcasters. So I it's see. cameras, it's transmitters, it's audio processors, it's microphones, it's mm-hmm. lights. Uh, anybody who uh, is in broadcasting. What's interesting is we're here as their official streaming partner because they've recognized. Look at that. I need a person under the desk. Look at a, a <laughs> hand. A hand just handed me your book. Wow. Who had this with him? This must be Alex. Alex loves you. By what the a way. guy. Alex loves you. Alex Gumpel our, is our intern, and he is, but he brought this like for light reading. Yeah, you want to autograph yeah. that? He's going to autograph it for you, Alex. Um, so this is fun for me because I'm a broadcaster, as you know, yes. Paul, going I way back. I, I, I started in 1976 uh, on radio. And uh, I realized I was walking over here, and the BEA uh, has a uh, pavilion that is um, kind of a job fair for college kids. Oh. And I was watching these fresh-faced, good-looking young college kids who want careers in broadcasting going in. And it, was, uh, it actually moved me to tears. It's, yeah. it, this has been my business for 36 years, and it's, 
uh, a wonderful privilege to be a broadcaster. Uh, you, you get a chance to uh, do interesting things, meet interesting people, and to serve the community. And uh, I was looking at these kids thinking this is the beginning of a very long journey for them. It's a mm. difficult thing, of course, because everybody wants to do it. But uh, Right. Um, Think of the opportunities that are available today. So different. To these people that so different. are just not available. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's an exciting uh, time. You know, I'm going to, uh, my daughter, uh, Abby, is a uh, freshman in college, and um, mm. she gets out of school right before Blog World Podcast Expo. So we're going to go to Podcast Expo together because she's very interested in, uh, yeah. in being a journalist and a media. And uh, she said, I really want to go to Podcast Expo. It's going to be in New York. You should come. You're a podcaster, you know. When is this? It's uh, May 24th, 5th, and 6th, I think. I could actually make come that. I might do it. You'd be fun. I'll get you in. I have friends. So um, I'm reading. I'm reading notes. Obviously, these are old notes. That says Paul is in a cab. So <laughs> Paul, unless you're unless you're teleporting here, Paul is in a cab. You are not here for NAB. You're here for Mix. Mix. What is Mix? Mix is a Microsoft developer show. It started out as a web developer show. That's what I thought. I thought it was web. Right, but now it's web and phone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So this is a mobile show too. Y- yes, it is. And there, you know, actually, this isn't in the show notes. I just want to mention this before I forget, but. Uh, it was widely thought that Microsoft is going to have a PDC this year, which is the professional developer show. In fact, last week I asked you when's PDC. You said, I haven't heard yet. Yeah. September, October was what we were thinking. But they announced at this show that there will be a developer show. They didn't call it PDC happening in September. And there's a lot of things coalescing around that time period. You're popping a little bit. So I'm going to back the mic off a little. Pop, 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 pop. Or you know what we can do is you, you just aim it. It's going to fall over, though. Oh, yeah. Don't I fall it over. You're going to risk the wrath of the hand from beneath the table. The hand will come from beneath the table and slap me this time. <laughs> uh, so what I've heard on the side is that they're going to call it the Windows Developer Show. And it's going to be, you know, phone, tablet, PC, the whole nine yards. So that's happening in Anaheim, California in September. How is that different from what the PDC used to be? It's not. I think it's just a renaming. But, just I, a but I think that what they're trying to do is show the focus, right? That right. This is Windows. Windows everywhere. Windows. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this will be the launching point, I think, for Windows 8. Uh, the beta. Oh, really? And also for Internet Explorer 10, the public beta that, that will have all the end user features. Right, that, so. right. Okay, so Mix uh, is more about mobile, is more about web. Are there new technologies that they're announcing, or is this more uh, kind of banging the drum for Windows Phone 7? So, a little bit of both, I would say. They announced some things around the futures of Windows Phone 7, around the future of Internet Explorer, around Silverlight 2, uh, did some Silverlight uh, 5 stuff today. Um, so, yeah, a little vision, but a little practicality as well. They, I think in both cases, i.e. Windows Phone, they looked at the last year and said, look, this is what we've accomplished, and now this is what we want to do in the next right, year. Right, right, right. Uh, they they uh, declared victory? <laughs> Winning. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> they, you say they confirmed everything you've been saying all along about these updates. What's that mean? Well, I... <laughs> As you may know, Leo, um, <laughs> you've had, been a little I've, perturbed. I've had a little controversy this you've year. You've been gruntled uh, with Microsoft around Windows Phone and and their inability to communicate what's happening, their inability to deliver updates in a timely manner, and then finally their inability to tell the truth about why these updates have been delayed. And we've got we in, know why it's the carriers. Well, we've gotten into the scuffle. I've I quoted accurately what Joe Belfiore told us last November, and when he said that you know carriers did have that capability to block updates. And they insist that this is not the case, but then they explain it without using the word blocking and basically explain <laughs> that the carriers are blocking it. So, <laughs> Blocking is such a harsh word. They're yeah. just... It's a semantic thing. <laughs> standing in between us. They are standing in between us. <laughs> yes. And 
<laughs> you know, as as the days go by, it gets a little more alarming, especially for people on AT&T, because, of course, uh, AT&T is the premier Windows Phone partner, and yet those phones are the ones that are getting it last. And now it looks like they're going to miss their latest set of dates, which was for the first half of September, which, as you know, is ending any day now. And then we get into the second half of, uh, I'm sorry, did I say September? Yeah. April, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, second half of April is coming up, and where's the AT&T updates? We don't know. So. Right. What happened today was that before his keynote address at the uh, mixed trade show, uh, Joe Belferri got up on stage and said, look, I, I made uh, some mistakes recently in a Channel 9 video. A lot of people called me on it, and I'd like to address some of that stuff around updates. And then he launched into, I'm, and, and, and I am dying to see the transcript for this because I'm going to pick it apart for the exact way he words this. But what he basically said was that, yes, carriers can prevent us from delivering updates to Users, they are doing that. Uh, what I what I have said all along, basically, and I, I find it just amazing that you know we're still involved in this weird little pushing shoving match. I mean, they, they've right. just confirmed exactly everything I've said. I, I don't understand. Is it is it just they're being diplomatic by not using the word block? They just yeah. don't want to piss these guys off because they could it could make life so much worse. <laughs> yeah, the, right. The, there's yes, but and this is the problem with being in the in the telephone business, the wireless mm-hmm. phone business mm-hmm. is. That these guys, it's like dealing with a mob. Yeah, it's like dealing with Darth Vader. You know, yeah. that scene where he says, pray I don't alter the deal any further. You know, and it's, it's not just the carriers. It's also the hardware makers. You know, Microsoft, this past uh, few months, discovered something kind of ugly about both these groups of people, which is that on the carrier side, those guys shipped their devices in a state which was not what they said they were going to be. In other words, there were little configuration changes that Microsoft knew nothing about. And that those configuration changes were what screwed up that first update. Oh, interesting. And then in the wireless carrier part, uh, contrary to all of their claims last fall, a bunch of them are, in fact, blocking these things even today, months later. Well, did they give a, well they can't give a reason why because they don't admit they're blocking it. So Right. <laughs> they're still testing it, Leo. <laughs> they're they're testing, testing it. Actively testing it's it. It's testing. As we speak. Uh, maybe okay. I'm going to try to put myself in the carrier's uh, mindset. Mm-hmm. It, the, the difficulty is that it, in well, other areas, other regions, it, they have been pushed out. Oh yeah, it's the same update, same hardware. Mm-hmm. So the right. testing thing doesn't carry a lot of weight. But I understand they want to test it on their network because, unlike a computer, a cell phone kinds to, kind of needs to be a little bit more uh, robust, a little more mission critical. Yes, I don't know. I, you know, uh, a couple of comments that Joe made, and these again are off the top of my head. I don't have the transcript in front of me that I think are relevant to this conversation. Are, you know, they discovered that the process of shipping updates on a phone is different from shipping it on PCs, right? Right. And that, from the standpoint of the carriers, an update is delivered to customers in the same way that a new phone is. And, and I actually say, I have to say I disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a diplomatic way of saying it. I think it's a way that excuses why there are so many delays. I, I think the truth is that we all, as customers of wireless carriers, pay them probably way too much. $100 a month. Way too much. And we get a certain amount of bandwidth for that. And who cares what we do with that bandwidth? We use it or we don't. And by the way, they'll think nothing of charging us extra if we go over. So right. what's the difference? Right. I just don't see what the problem is. There's no capability in this update that impacts the wireless network in any meaningful way whatsoever. So no, that's a good point. It's not like problem? you have to test it to see if it's going to knock yeah. phones now, off the I, air. I, they do have to support it. Of course, you know the phone, uh, the wireless carrier is the company that sells you the device and then handles the support. But I, you know, I think we discussed this last week. I mean, uh, phone support basically involves someone walking through a flow chart and when they don't get the expected results they swap it out and they move on with life and I, right. I, I don't really 
think that there's a high uh, support cost involved, especially with this first update, because it's just not a big... It's cut and paste and better search. And performance. And, that's and performance. It. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> Why not push it? Why are you keeping this from people? <laughs> yeah. It's too bad. Yeah. It, now, it, it rankles especially because it's the Focus, which is, as you said, the premier partner, the premier phone, mm-hmm. and that's the one you and I have. Which yep. is, it's the one I would generally recommend personal. to people. <laughs> yeah, it's it is. It is well, in my case, it's extremely personal, but yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, you know, I, I do remember um, uh, when Apple uh, said, we're going to get in the phone business in 2007. I went, mm-hmm. oh. Yeah. You, you, it's just, um, it's not anything like the consumer electronics or the personal computer business. It is a completely different beast. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, perhaps because these companies used to be incredibly evil monopolies. <laughs> yeah, well, um, yes, they are, in, are still incredibly evil. Yeah. But, you know, Apple found out in 2006, before this happened, because they dealt with all of these companies, how bad they are, and it wasn't. And yet, a, they had huge clout. I mean, uh, yeah. they were able to to hold AT and T's feet to the fire well, in ways that Microsoft apparently can't do with its but, carriers. And I, I find this odd because perhaps because they had an exclusive at, at the time. AT and T was singular. It was right. the smallest wireless carrier in the United States, if I'm not mistaken. Now it's the biggest. Right, but there's the power of the iPhone. Fair enough, and also and a perfect reason why. That example of the iPhone should have been the one that everyone followed going forward, but right. you know, which how so? Uh, ex- with regard to updates, updates. Yeah, in other words, you can look at as anyone would. You know, you're entering a market with competitors, so you look at the competitors and you say, well, what did they do right and what did they do wrong, and what do you choose to emulate? You should choose to emulate the things they did right. You should either meet or exceed what the competitors are doing, right? I mean, otherwise, why would you be in this market? Um, so in this case, they decided not to exceed what the That's what you said all along, and yeah. that really is the bottom line. Look, yeah. it's not 2007. It's, it's 2011, and right. you're, you're competing against some pretty And I think you know, Microsoft, with some credibility, could go to Verizon and to Singular, oh, sorry, to Sprint and to T-Mobile a year ago or a year and a half ago, whenever it was they were talking to these companies, and say, look, you see what Apple's doing here. You need to give us this capability. Uh, we will perform all the tests that you need us to perform. But okay, you, let's do a little role-playing. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you're, you're Microsoft. Right. And I am um, Mr. AT&T, or who should I be, Mr. Well, Sprint? Verizon, I'm, for example. I'll who, be Joe Verizon. Yeah. Okay, come to me and say that. <laughs> Just Ver- say that. Verizon? Yes. We have the iPhone as a model. What, what is it, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> you, you come to me? You know. Yeah? Let's do it the right way. And what way would that be, Paul? <laughs> the iPhone way. <laughs> Paul, may I remind you? You are not Apple. <laughs> not yet. The but day, see, our our the goal is to create come. two or three Apples. The day will come, Paul, when you are as big as Apple and you can command my respect. But until <laughs> that day comes, you will do it my way or you can go talk to Sprint. Leo, this is a very insightful example because <laughs> I have a feeling that is exactly how the conversation I think went. it did, except for the accent. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe even I the accent. Know. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that that's the sad thing, is that Microsoft didn't, it, it, with all the clout Microsoft has at the PC business, it doesn't have oh. that kind of clout in the wireless it, it, Actually, it's even worse than that. Not only do they not have the clout, I think there is a long-standing fear, although it's now overblown and maybe passe, that Microsoft, as the dominant fixture of a, a certain industry, is going to come into these other industries and dominate them, and they don't want that. Yeah. And it's the reason why Microsoft never made any serious inroads into the cable TV business. And the same reason in the wireless, uh, you know, mobile phone business. Right. And these guys are just scared that, you know, here's a company that's so thoroughly dominated in this other industry. We don't want to become Hewlett Packard or Dell or, you know, the equivalent, right, uh, for our market. Because we're just, 
the thing through which they sell their phones and they right. make all their money. I think that's what they're worried about. Right. Yeah. That, well, I understand that too. They allowed it to happen with Apple, though. So, well, yeah, but and maybe that was the lesson, the object lesson that they don't want to repeat. <laughs> maybe, I mean, yeah, I, I sure. think that you, you see the same thing happen with the music but, industry. They when, let you know, Apple come in the door, and then Apple became so powerful, the music right. industry wishes they could break. Them. There, there's a big difference, though, because we will always need the wireless operators, right? We put up with their bizarre pricing structures and expensive costs because we need this stuff so desperately. For the life of me, I do not understand why we put up with it. And even in the case of the iPhone, you know, this is. Uh, a place where they've made compromises because of the wireless carriers, right? They started off with Edge when we were already on 3G. You know, they're still on 3G as we're moving to 4G and so forth. You know, it, it's interesting uh, that they don't look at Apple and see the right things, which are, by the way, consumers' bizarre ability and desire to upgrade on a nearly constant basis every year, even though they're out of contract and just it pay those bizarre. fees. And that's money that goes Big in part money. to the wireless carriers. Like, why, why would they not want to be part of that? You know, you give them a good experience and they keep coming back for more. That is the ultimate customer. That's what Apple created. That's what Microsoft should want to create with Windows Phone. And it's what the wireless carrier should want as well. This is a win-win. I think we'll never get inside the mind of Verizon. Yeah, I, don't I, I, I don't understand it. it either. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, and you would think that they would like to have big, reliable, responsible companies like Microsoft yeah. in there to balance Apple's Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, Microsoft and RIM and HP someday with the Palm OS or the WebOS, um, Android, of course, and iPhone, these are all companies and platforms that these mobile operators can play off of each other as well and, you know, thereby gaining further leverage too, right? Because, you know, Verizon could go to, um, you know, say Android and say, look, we're not going to carry you now because we have iPhone and right. unless you give us a better deal, you know, or something. I mean, right. it's something... It seems like you would want more of this, you know, more viable platforms. It baffles me. I don't understand. Yeah. I, I, I can't claim to understand uh, the wireless companies and why they are the way they are. Cause, uh, and, and I also don't understand why we, as consumers, uh, and Congress, and the FCC allows them to do things like these early termination fees that uh -huh. are just piracy. <laughs> it's just... It's just yeah. Piracy. They resist every change imaginable. It's, I always think of the car makers and how they resisted airbags and seatbelts for as long as they could. Uh, because but they the got cost. forced into it. But some, nobody it. seems to have the guts to stand and, uh, up to Verizon and AT and T and say, "Look, yeah. you can't have a fifteen-second message at the end of every message saying press one yes. to leave a message." Press two. <laughs> you're, you're, or, it's, it's skimming. You want the simplest thing possible. I want, I want my phone number to go with me. Oh no, 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 no! Can't be no, doing can't that. Do that. Well, they have that. No, that, now they do, but they were finally forced, they were forced for a long into that time. As well. Same thing. Yeah, uh, the cost of an SMS message. I mean, right. thousands of dollars a megabyte. How is that a separate plan? What's the deal? It's crazy. And yet, uh, you know, I know there have been, you know, rumblings in Congress about, well, we've got to do something about this. They're not going to. No. I, it must be that the, the Verizon uh, uh, gives them so much money, contributes so much to these congressional uh, races yeah. that yeah, they yeah. just are invulnerable. And consumers just, uh, I guess because we don't have a choice, you know, it, it, it's apparent competition, but it's not real competition. Sure. You've got ATT, Verizon, and Sprint. We've lost T-Mobile now, but you've got three companies. There should be a competitive <laughs> Uh, you know, something, yeah. but there isn't. They're all basically the same. It's yeah. all basically $2,400 for the life of this phone plus, you know, whatever, $200. Absolutely. That's ridiculous. Yeah. This phone costs more than any PC made today. I get an Alienware top of the line. Yeah. yeah. It's worse than that, too, because what's going to happen is the, I assume that's an iPhone 4. I can barely tell with all Yeah, that. they're all the same now. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the iPhone 5 is going to come out and you'll be on early. 
Oh, you release bet. and you'll pay the fee because you need to get that new phone. Oh, and, you and, bet. And there's you know somebody's, thousands and thousands. Somebody's of quoting a Walt Mossberg piece from 2005, okay. where Walt Mossberg rants against the control of the cell phone companies. He says, "I call them the new Soviet ministries." Mm-hmm. That's six years ago, sure. and it hasn't changed. No, it hasn't changed a bit. Oh, let's take a break. I'm, <laughs> I'm just chuffed or something. That's my new word. Chuffed. Chuffed means like chuffed.com. Happy. Oh. But uh, but uh, just it's a word that the chat room has been using to describe uh, describe my temper. They say I'm chuffy. Chuffy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's take a chuffy break, and we'll be back more with Paul Thorat back from Mix. I want to hear a little bit about Mix and Mango. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love Mango. But before we do that, I would like to talk a little bit about our friends at Citrix, the great makers of GoToAssist. Express. If you're in the business of supporting friends or family or colleagues, uh, tech support, as you know, is time-consuming. It's uh, painful for you. you got to be very patient, and especially if you're trying to do it over the phone. You don't want to go to their home or office. There's an easier way, better than phone, better than travel. It's called Go to Assist Express. You fix the problem without being there in person, without walking somebody through a phone call. You can actually view the other person's computer online, control it, Resolve the technical issues, even while your customers are away from your computers, their computer. That uh, really boosts your productivity. In fact, go to Express uh, users report a 40% increase in productivity, like two extra work days a week, just by using Go to Assist Express. Are you in IT or support? You got to try this free for 30 days. Go to assist.com slash windows. Is that right? I'm going to have to look. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, it is. There it is. It says it right there. I should just read the screen. Go to assist.com slash windows. Here's how it works. You start your session with one click, just like all the services from Citrix. Um, you can send an invitation via email. You can send a link via chat. You can tell them on the phone. Go to go to assist express. It's actually go to assist.com. And uh, I think it ends up being fastsupport.com. You click a button that says start a support session. You get to fastsupport.com, aptly named. Works on both PCs and Macs. You can support a PC from a Mac or vice versa. You can share your screen so they can see what you're doing. You can do eight sessions at once, unattended support. You can see what's on the computer, Windows uh, versions, Mac versions, what security software is on there, what programs are running. It's just incredible. Solve more problems more quickly. Be more efficient. Be a support hero. Go to Assist Express. Visit gotoassist.com slash windows right now. Try it free for 30 days. I know you'll like it. Go to Assist Express. Mix 11. How many people are at Mix? Hmm. I don't know. Thousands. Is it, it feels like a, it's a large group of people. It's a, it's a smaller group. It's not like this. Mostly obviously. developers. All developers. All yeah. developers. Yeah. A few, a few I would say a couple thousand, maybe three thousand. I'm not, I'm not sure. And so. is, it, uh, is there a seminar track? Are there booths? What does it look like? Yeah, this is a small trade show floor. It actually would fit pretty much up here on this platform. But, <laughs> but really what, it's, what this is about, though, is not, it's not really that stuff, obviously. It's, it's the sessions. It's the so sessions. Developer-oriented yeah. sessions. And so. they're all led by Microsoft? Most of them are by Microsoft employees. Some are by third parties. Uh, okay. But this is, you know, this is an interesting place, I think, for people to go and get information about the future of this stuff. You know, oh, I think so. It's, you know, web, you know, web development, HTML5, Silverlight, or the Windows Phone stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's start with Windows Phone. They uh, talked yeah. about Mango. What is Mango? <laughs> I conveniently didn't list any of the features. Let me uh, go to my website. So Mango is the coming version of Windows Phone 7 that will be delivered in the second half of this What's year. What's the current version? 
uh, the current version. Papaya? I, I know that. I, it, I believe there was no actual. Is it all tropical fruits? So all the Windows Phone code names end in O. Oh. And I think for the first version, it, it was just Metro. You know, Metro. Which is really the UI, but right. the, the design language, whatever. But um, Nodo, of course. Nodo. That's the update. Met, uh, Mango is Mango. 7.5, right. or the interim update. A pretty major update. And then the Windows 8 version is called Apollo. Uh-huh. So those are the code names. So Mango will be the next version. This will be a, f- I mean, fairly large update, I presume. Yeah, yeah. yeah this yeah. is a big one. It and will we go talk in a year away, or well, so supposedly in the second half of this year. I mean, based on how things have yeah. gone, uh, again, right. you know, who can say? Uh, I think we can anticipate that since Nodo hasn't even arrived, we don't know when Mango will get here. <laughs> well, AT and T will block it until you know right. February two thousand twelve <laughs> or something. But <laughs> you know, I guess we'll unbelievable. See. So there, there are three aspects to Mango in the sense that there are developer oriented features, which is what they announced today. And then there are consumer-oriented features, which they haven't really discussed. Although, of course, some leak out just because they talk about things. And then there are the productivity or business-oriented features. And I think we can guess around those type of things that they will improve the Exchange ActiveSync support, do on-device encryption, and all that kind of stuff. So, But today, primarily, what they were talking about was the developer-oriented features. Uh, multitasking for third-party apps, background do- downloading, background audio, so you can run a whatever the audio app is and have the music play in the background while you do other things. You know that 1999 cell phone feature, um, things like that. So they're they're catching up in many ways, which is nice. I, I think the only issue I have with Mango, aside from the obvious, I suppose, is that it's almost certainly based on the fact that they said nothing to the contrary today. The only other update that's happening this year, right? In the sense that we have Nodo, and we're going to get a little SSL update, uh, which is just a small thing. And then there's Mango, and it doesn't seem like there's going to be anything in between. And I've spoken before about the need, I feel, for Windows Phone to be updated constantly and regularly and right. uh, repeatedly. Right. And that you Especially can, ne- early on when you're still figuring it out as you go. Yeah. But, you know, that said, uh, some of the demos they did around Mango are actually pretty exciting and pretty interesting. And I think the people will be pleased with it. It's just an unknown if many of the things that I could point to that are wrong with Windows Phone today will be fixed by this release. Because, again, they're not really talking about the end-user stuff right. yet. But so we don't know. We don't know. We just don't know. Yeah. What kind of developer features? Well, access to some of the sensors. You know, add raw access to the camera, raw access to the gyroscope. That's always good. Yeah. Accelerometer gamers, type stuff. Game, yeah. game development companies love that because they can yeah. Yeah, write around you that. Know, yeah. So to give you an idea of the developer focus of this show and the way they would describe it is, as with the iPhone, you can you have a developer environment on your computer, and there's an emulator for the phone, and you can run your app in the emulator, just like you can run it on a device. But it was hard to do certain things in the emulator. I should say it's hard today to do certain things in the emulator around such things as the accelerometer, the gyroscope. Right, because you your computer doesn't have one. You can't spin it around. Right. So, so now they have a, Right, so in the new version of these tools, which will be coming out next month in a pre-release form, they have an accelerometer... Um, in software, in a sense, so you can move it around in th- a 3D space, and the phone actually spins actually, around. You know, I think it's true that most laptops do have accelerometers <laughs> for dropping, uh, if case you drop them, so <laughs> yeah, they can yeah, park yeah. the hard drive and stuff. Uh, so it, I guess you could do that. If you have a multi-touch screen, which some Windows PCs do, right. you can actually interact with the emulator oh, using multi-touch, nice. and that's that is very neat. But you know, for those instances where you want to see, you have a game and you want to push it forward, say to drive the car or something, right. you know, whatever it is. You, doing that in an emulator is not really possible, so yeah. they've added those kinds of things. That's super important because yeah. what you really don't want to... I mean, most developers are developing uh, and using emulation initially, mm-hmm. um, and you, you want that to be as true to life as possible because it, it's a pain uh, you know, to, to, as you're developing for a handset. 
to move it over to test on the handset. You can't iterate very fast because you make a change, you have to copy it to the handset. If you can't trust the emulator, you have to copy it to the handset, you have to yeah. run it on the handset, then you go back, and it's a real pain. So yeah. getting a good emulator is key to getting a developer. You know, I, uh, we, did, we did a live blog this morning for the keynote, and we, and we being a group of people who do what I do, you know, Ed Bott and Mary Jo Foley. Oh, great. Uh, Oh, I uh, wish they were here. You should have invited yeah, them. Yeah, I don't over. think I, I well, I think it would have been a tough haul to get everyone to yeah. come here and they of course they Where is meetings. it? It's in um, the Mandalay Bay, which is of course oh, it's the furthest way the hell yeah, over. the furthest yeah. thing down there. Nice down hotel, but not near here. It's not close. So yeah. it was interesting to me because of course, uh, maybe I'm perceived as being negative in the Windows Phone space, which bothers me because I, I, I feel like I'm the one really pushing for this thing to be as good as it can be. Not right. I'm not just, you know, randomly uh, complaining about things but right. you know I think a couple of the other bloggers are trying to make the point today that you know this stuff really did excite people and see like th things are okay but I guess what I would say to this is simply that when you look at Windows Phone and all of the different things that go into Windows Phone the one thing that Microsoft has always gotten right and I've said this before is the developer stuff they've uh, courted developers correctly the developer tools have always been excellent I would argue that the developer tools for Windows Phone even today are superior to anything available for any other mobile platform and that this is not an ex you know this is not a new thing. I mean, this is not a weird exception. This has always been the case. You know, the Windows Phone developer stuff has always been awesome, um, and they've got you know once Mango arrives, uh, you know the unfortunate truth of the platform is there's just core features that are not there in the, in Windows Phone today. Push notifications, uh, sockets. So you sockets. So you can't have Skype. You know, for example. Interesting. Um, so these things need to occur so that the developers who want to be on board can be on board, yeah. and that's what's going to happen. So they showed off Skype today, for example. They showed off, uh, you know, Plants vs. Zombies and Angry Birds, which is coming very soon, you know. A lot of, I know, a lot of stuff that's already available but, elsewhere. But no, but, you know, that's important. It, you've got to show that. Yeah, yeah. You have to have that. It's, yeah. it's now the baseline for a smartphone. Sure. <laughs> well, you can't even, for example, uh, if you, you have Pandora. Now, there's no Pandora app on the phone there yet, oh, but why would you want one? Because you'd have that's to it. leave the app running to play. Right. So as soon as you leave the app, music stops. Right. Because that's a limitation of this platform today. It's just the unfortunate truth. Oh, well, they don't have multitasking? No, they do have multitasking, but not for third-party apps. Only for their And own. they don't have background audio, okay. but they will in Mango on both those counts. So Got it. Mango is important because I think what it represents is Windows Phone as they envisioned it for the first release, but they knew they had to get to market quickly, so they cut some things out to make the schedule. Right. And now what we're finally going to get a year later is maybe what it should have been. The catch-up. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's basically they're catching up to. Yeah, and, by, and, and it looks great. I don't want to uh, downplay that. I mean, it, right. it looks great. Uh, I think they've made some nice changes. But again, you know, it's always the same thing with Windows Phone. It's like uh, not quickly enough. You know. Well, I mean, that's what happens. You get to the market a few years uh, after the market leaves. Well, uh, yeah. but there's also kind of a blissful ignorance on their part, which bothers. They me. don't understand uh, where they. Uh, Joe Belferry stood on stage today and referenced that the IDC and Gartner studies that predicted that Windows Phone oh, would yeah, never show sure, in the market. Sure they love that. But, what sure he said, love that. but what he said about that, and this kills me because I love this guy, and it, I just can't believe he would say such a thing, is this validates our strategy. <laughs> really. Because in both cases, what they said was, it's because of Nokia. Right. It has nothing to do with right. you. Right. It's just by virtue of Nokia coming on board, you're going to be number two. By the way, that happened since we talked last. We, we had the IDC report. Yeah, uh, and we both mocked it. That that well now Gardner has. But now Gardner's yeah. concurred. Yeah. So now do you think it's a little more credible that Windows Mobile, uh, Windows Phone Seven will be no, number I, two I, by next? No, I think. What is it? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. I think things are fluid, and I think it is impossible to make this kind of prediction because we don't know. We have no idea at That's what so rate. Long. Nokia, Three years. Well, no, but Nokia's market's going to change. A, it's going to shrink. Right. Well, I, I shouldn't say it's going to shrink. It may not grow as know. fast as the rest of the market, but I think they're going to lose customers over this Symbian thing. 
And, uh, you know, Nokia's strategy is to go lowball. You know, their goal right. is to reach that next billion number of people out in the third world nations that don't have phones yet and don't right. have computers and never will. And that's a great strategy for volume. But it's not a great strategy for profits, you know. Right. Um, so I guess we'll see uh, is what I'm saying. Well, it's also, uh, I guess we talked about this last week, a questionable strategy for a smartphone because you can't make them cheap enough. The data plans are expensive. Yeah, and the, and yeah, yeah. The they rely on connectivity and, and data yeah, and all. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'll, we we'll see. Uh, we will see. We shall see. Uh, if, if Windows Phone becomes number two, but it's by making what is essentially a feature phone. Right. Well, is that really not, even Windows uh, Phone? That's, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what we're talking about at that yeah. point. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, I see push notifications on this list, but you do for Mango. What are you, where are you to, looking? Not not at yours, but at, <laughs> at Microsoft's uh, description okay. of what's push notifications. New. Yeah, well, they've they've they're adding. Don't they have push notifications? They do, but they're can adding, an app say, "Hey, Paul, it's time to harvest your cauliflower." They can, but it has to do it itself, and it has to do it through a a mechanism through the live tile that you have to go to see see that it's been updated. Okay. So, what's coming in Mango is the ability to do such things as create an alarm from an app. So you got right. a standard Windows Phone alarm, but right. from another app, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So That's what you need, though. They also have this uh, kind of a, uh, I don't know what to call this, it's like a deep dive um, shortcut kind of thing. So, for example, you have a, a favorite flight app, say American Airlines makes an app. Right. And you, right now you can pin that app to your start page, to your home screen, but what they're adding is the capability to, to pin parts of apps to your start screen. So, for example... Oh, I like that. Yeah, so you could have your flight for a trip and your flight home for a trip, and then those things can those individually can give you notifications. Oh, that's sweet. So on a trip, you might have this custom home right. screen with different little applets. I don't know what you would call those things, but little live tiles that don't represent an actual full app. But Just rather a part of. A part of an app, yeah. I think that's really clever. I think so. Now, it's unclear whether this is going to be super discoverable and whether people will use it a lot or right. whatever, but it is. it makes for an interesting demo. Well, maybe it could be like a tear-off. I know, you're right. How do you show that a little, in they, they use a little pin icon, okay. you know, kind of thing. Uh, so that's interesting. I mean... Uh, you know, they're adding um, Internet Explorer 9 with the same back end. They're saying the same renderer as is in the desktop browser. Um, HTML5 support, standard support, uh, hardware acceleration, and so forth. Um, obviously, there Some are limitations. Some of this also uh, relies on, and they may not. Be, this may not be mistaken, mm -hmm. but relies on uh, Android and iPhone not making great leaps forward. <laughs> you know, you're yeah, playing yeah, catch-up. Yeah. Uh, you're catching up. Right. Um, it's not a it's not a, a target that's standing still. It's a moving it's target. It's a moving target. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, it is a m much more mature market, and it may be that there aren't as many new things that iPhone and, and Android can do. Yes, I, I think we're going to quickly hit that point that we're already at with the PC right. desktop, where you know improvements, uh, dramatic improvements, right. become very hard. It's very clear for uh, on the desktop that yeah. OS 10 and Windows 7 are complete parity. And if that's the case, then maybe their strategy is working. Yeah. <laughs> It may you know. take a while. Um, At some point, though, that's true. They will catch up. Uh, right. Without, without knowing what iPhone 5 looks like and iOS 5, right. assuming they call it or that. Or when, even, because it doesn't look like yep. they're going to do it but soon. But let's say this year. Okay. Uh, without knowing what whatever the honeycomb version of Android for smartphones is called, whatever that right. is, without knowing exactly what that is, right. it's hard to say where Mango compares. Uh, absolutely, I feel like they're catching up uh, with what's out there now. But, you know, I think it's also fair to say that Windows Phone has certain advantages over these other platforms as well. And those things do continue forward until uh, Google or Apple decides to copy wholesale some of their U, uh, UI or user experience ideas, which maybe they should, frankly. Um, I like the tiles. I think that's a nice one. I like the hubs. You know, I the like hubs. a lot of the stuff. Yeah. I, I wish there was more integration in the hubs. You know, you, if, when you think back to the big promise of the hubs, it was, yes, you could have a million different little photo apps for all of your different services, but wouldn't it be nice if you had a pictures hub 
where all this stuff was just integrated together. And that would be nice, but as of today, that's still a theory, right? Because I don't get deep Flickr integration right yeah. into the hub. I don't get deep Google Picasso web integration directly into the hub. Do developers have the ability to create a hub? You could create a hub, uh, but why would you, right? It's I mean, really you, up to Microsoft to create these special, these high high level hubs, photos well, or whatever, yeah, so and you, then you write to it or you make that capability. Yeah, I, I think Microsoft included the ones that make the most sense, you know, right. the most general ones. You can People, you can create an app photos. as a hub if you wanted right. to, absolutely. Okay, but you're not going to create something that's the equivalent of music. No, or no, no. much more likely that you're right. a Flickr app and you yeah. make sure you integrate it with a photo hub. Can you do that? Not exactly. So Flickr has an app, which is a decent app, but it's an app like an app on any platform. It's just an app. It's a standalone right. app. Um, the integration pieces between Flickr and that hub, the Pictures Hub, are very minimal because those APIs don't exist yet or are not. Ah, that will be another thing, Mango. And should. hopefully that's something yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a break, come back and talk about IE10 and Windows 8, mm -hmm. both of which were uh, topics of conversation. Silverlight 2 at uh, Mix 11, Paul Therott is here talking about Mix 11, which just happens to be across town. <laughs> the, other, the other show. The other show. You know, the, Vegas is so big, there are actually dozens of shows going on right now. <laughs> you know, it's this, funny. There's an IBM show here, the WebSphere show. Is there? Yeah. Yeah. At I the mean, Venetian. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, it's also amazing to me that there's still shows at all, you know, frankly, in the uh, internet age. It's so old school, isn't it's it? It's very old school. It's fun. But, yeah. you know, if you're selling transmitters... Sure or big cameras, you have to have some physical presence because people want to hold these things and see what they look like. And, yep. you know, There's a booth over here where they're tattooing people. Oh, nice. Yeah, that I need a tattoo. Do you want to yeah. go get some kind of Yeah, a let's go get a tat. <laughs> That's awesome. If I were going to get a tattoo, I'd probably get Squarespace.com tattooed on my rump. Because... <laughs> Interesting opening. <laughs> That's, there's something you don't hear in ads very often. Uh, you know, I love Squarespace.com. We use it for our Twit uh, blog, inside.twit.tv. It was so easy to create a blog that fit the Twit look and feel with the right colors, the logos, and everything. It's literally point and click, drag and drop. You can then incorporate things like Flickr and Twitter and Facebook, uh, any RSS feed, all with simple widgets that you just drag and drop. You stick in there and you can set them and configure them. It, it couldn't be easier. You don't have to be a web developer to do it. Now, if you are a web developer, Squarespace also allows you to use CSS and JavaScript, and really the sky's the limit. You can do anything you want, add e-commerce. Um, it's just a, a really slick platform with very high-quality serving at the back end, too. So you get web hosting plus the best software in the business for managing your content. That's squarespace.com. That's what it is right there. If you go to squarespace.com slash windows, you can try it for yourself. I do encourage you to do this. It's so easy to set up a site. You might want to set up a site for a friend, a loved one, a business you really like and say, hey, you need a website. Look at this. You can handle, doesn't, you don't use your credit card or anything, so you can just say, here, here's a password. You take it over. It's really a great way. I would bet a web designer could do this to make spec sites really quickly. And, uh, and do very well. Square, I want you to try it. It's free for the next 14 days. Squarespace.com slash Windows. The, the importer and exporter allows you to get your data in and out so you're never trapped from WordPress, Blogger, Movable Type, TypePad. Those are pretty standard APIs. Most sites will support one form or another of those. They've got forums. You know, we haven't. I would like to try this. We haven't done this. Maybe we should put a forum on our Inside Twit blog, give you the chance to uh, interact. There's a form builder so you can create forms to collect information, uh, uh, Flickr photo display, Twitter widget, Google Maps integration, an incredible 
uh, stats package that lets you really know what's going on, and a search engine optimizer, which makes sure Google finds you and knows everything that's going on on your site. These are all features that top-level web designers know you need to include in a site. It's so easy. You don't have to be an expert. You flip some switches, and it's all there automatically as part of the package. Sites as low as $12 a month for your 14-day free trial. Squarespace.com slash Windows. Give them a try today. You'll love them. I know you will. You might even get them tattooed on your rump. You never know. There are, <laughs> there are a few things certain in life, Leo, but... That's one of them that, that you're one, not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. So IE9 just came out, and already we're talking IE10. So this I guess act, that makes sense. It makes some sense, right? Uh, Microsoft is not a company known for moving quickly, as we've discussed. But they, the IE team, in particular, discovered something over the past year or so with this release of IE9, which was... Releasing pre-release versions of the browser on a regular basis and getting lots of feedback was kind of awesome. Yeah. And it worked yeah. really, really Makes well. Makes it so much better. They didn't so, do that in the past? No, not like that. It, they, they set out and they said, look, here's the first platform preview. They released it mixed last year. And they said every eight weeks going forward, we're going to release something else. That's and they, great. And then they did it. That's and great. And the feedback they got was incredible. And sure. It really helped develop the browser. Sure. So, you know, I thought, this is interesting. You know, here's, we can see Microsoft changing right before our eyes, you know, and you can see them really opening up to this. And uh, I, I figured Mix was going to come this year and they would announce something. I, I wasn't sure if it would be IE10 or if they would just keep calling it IE9, but every eight weeks or something. Something they would, new. They would release something new. Yeah, that's so not a bad idea. Either. They've decided to go with IE10. Uh, clearly, it's going to be the version of IE that ships in Windows 8. The timing is all right there. It's all happening at the same time. It makes a lot of sense. They've stretched out the timeline a little bit, so it'll be every eight to twelve weeks. They don't want to—I guess—they don't want to get pigeonholed down to right. eight weeks exactly, because frankly, going from IE nine to IE ten, from a web standards perspective or from a background technology perspective, is not really as drastic as what they. No, they've time. made the big shift. Yeah, they are now standards compliant. Yes, now they're just literally adding individual CSS features. It's it's really interesting. I don't have this in my notes, but HTML five is a moving standard, so I imagine yes. that's the other reason is that you want to make as compliant with HTML five as you can. But as new standards and new parts of it get ratified, that's yeah, more to so do. So they're ha they're handling that in a different way. It's interesting. There there are parts of the spec that are, are reliable in the sense right. that they're probably not going to change. Right. So those are the things that are going to go into these platform previews. They actually have a separate area where they're doing development of this, these parts of HTML5 that might change a lot. Oh, interesting. And you can optionally add them into the oh, browser. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. That's it's, great. It's, it's a nice way of doing it. So, you know, the IE10 platform preview, the first one, is a lot like the IE9 platform preview from a year ago in the sense that there's no UI whatsoever. It's just a simple window with nothing in it. And then you get to test things against it to see how your HTML does and so forth. So it really, it, it, I wonder if they're developing it as modularly as it sounds. In other yeah. words, if it really is a modular development where they plug pieces in like I hope like so Lego. that was always the, 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 the not the fear <laughs> always the hope I had for these right. guys is that that's how they would do it that instead of having to do this monolithic big release that they could just plug mm. things into it and improve it over time I think now, a browser lends itself to that very well yeah yeah, and it's certainly how you know Chrome is doing it and Firefox is trying to do it we'll see how right. Firefox does with that but uh, obviously Chrome is on kind of an insane development cycle and, and you, you want to balance it between you know, the ways of the past and, and that hyper-release schedule that Chrome has. In fact, they made this comparison where they said, you know, there's a difference between cadence and progress. I found this to be an interesting okay, term. Okay, okay. now that's interesting. Cadence and progress. Yeah, because Microsoft uses the word cadence all the time. So, for example, here's an example. Cadence, all, what I, cadence reminds me of, like, uh, 
that thing the Marines do. Yeah. Lift, you lift, you That's lift. exactly right. So you had a good home on your left, you're right. <laughs> so the Windows Server team, I think, was the first uh, big group of Microsoft to start talking like this. They would say, we're on a regular release cadence ah, where every other like release a is a major okay. release and every other one is a minor release. Yeah. Now, actually, they've, lift, they've, right, they've lift. given up on that. But that was the term. Cadence was a word. You could, it was like a Microsoft keyword bingo game. You could play. <laughs> cadence is one of those words you wanted you to always have. a lot. <laughs> yeah. But now they're... Now they're they're kind of poo-pooing cadence because cadence is moving is moving is doing things iterating releasing new versions, but it's not the same thing as progress. What they're saying is we want progress, not just to have a new version. And that was a, a sort of a slight dig at Chrome, which is you know Chrome has released ten versions of their browser, but are right. these things really is version ten of the browser. I don't really, even know why they call them versions. I couldn't tell you what's. I know new. it's crazy. Like, why even bother? Yeah. yeah. So Microsoft yeah, is trying to draw that distinction. might have internal value, but I don't think it... But remember, there is a difference with Chrome because it updates itself automatically. I don't think users even care or know what version <laughs> Good, they're yeah, using because they just use the latest version. They're guaranteed to be using it. I really version. like the way Chrome works in that regard, by the way. But there is a truth to the fact that certain businesses don't ever want that to happen behind their back. I understand. And automatically. Yeah. And, you know, Microsoft will always have that going for them in the sense that, you know, they are on a very predictable... Not cadence anymore, but <laughs> right <laughs> progress or whatever. So right, oh, I, I kind of like that. In a way, that it's almost like they're thinking philosophy as yeah. much as development. Well, because there's something artificial to the Google versioning, isn't there? I mean, well, I, you know, if you were to open up Chrome 8 and browse around the web for a few minutes, and then you open up Chrome 10, would, How you, would you know the Would difference? you even notice aside from the fact maybe the icon change? Well, that's why I wonder if it's maybe uh, more an internal. Uh, something that they internally understand, but they don't expect users to need or know. Sure. You can, I mean, uh, truthfully, you go up to somebody and ask who's using Chrome. Well, first of all, most users probably don't use Chrome, but if you go up to somebody asking hmm. what version of Chrome are using, they don't know. They will to, know. I would have to check. I would have to check. I mean, they I'm barely the, know yeah, what I'm version of I'm on the beta IE. channel, so I, I'm guessing it's 12-something. I, I yeah, they're to close look. to 12, right? Yeah. But uh, you, I know this from the radio show. You ask people what version of Internet Explorer they're using, mm. they don't know. Yeah. They don't know. Because what I want to find out is, are you using IE6? Right. Um, and I say that, and they say, I don't, I don't know. And so you always end up having to say, well, okay, have you updated your, your system ever? Yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, so I'm sure people don't know what Chrome version they're using except the most hardcore of geeks. So it's an internal numbering scheme. Yeah. It's also a convenient way to repel critics, right? Because you know, <laughs> well, critic pe- people can say, hey, look, you know, in the last 12 months, Firefox did... Almost nothing. They finally updated their browser. Microsoft, it took about that year to go from platform preview to release in IE9. And Google apparently released, what, six, seven updates? I, you know, it's some crazy number of... But we, we neither know nor care is what I'm saying. Sure. I well, do care that there's a huge difference in six, seven, and eight of Internet Explorer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do care about that. Yeah. Well, because those things occurred over literally a 10-year period, right. by the way. Um, wow. It's go- been, wow. Go- yeah. Google's six, seven, eight... But Nine, 10, ten months, eleven, twelve has <laughs> been months. a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at yeah. most. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and I think that's the distinction they're trying to draw. You know, don't be fooled by this versioning stuff. You know, these guys are artificially right. moving it forward, but they're not really making well, any yeah. progress. Is ten better than nine? Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know how ten differs from. Nine. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, that, that's a that's a legitimate yeah. point. Yeah. Um. Was it? Did it was so they'll save Windows eight stuff for for. Yeah, Whatever they're not they talking about this. Yeah, that's not here. Anything, <laughs> anything else at Mix? Anything else at Mix? Um, no, I mean, I think that's the big stuff. It's, you know, IE10. Oh, Silverlight. Oh, Silverlight. 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 But it's not out. So, 
Servalite 5, I, I believe, is available in a new beta version, and uh, there'll be developer tools that will let you take advantage of that stuff. Uh, uh, the, you know, it's funny. Uh, I need this. Is, I, I have this. I've saved this for the plane ride home. I, I took uh, Dean Hatchimanovich, Hemachovich, whatever his name is. Yeah. Him. I'm sorry, Dean. Uh, is <laughs> the guy who runs the IE team, a great guy. Uh, he gave the keynote speech for IE. And he started off his speech by saying, people have overwhelmingly voted for native apps over web apps. Yeah, I think that's true. Fair enough. But then he launched into a 90-minute keynote that was specifically about HTML5 and standards and how the browser was taking advantage of that. Now, I, I need to go back and read it to kind of see where he was heading because one of the things that IE9 does and IE10 will do is it will take a web app like Gmail or yeah. Hotmail or whatever and allow it to work in the, in the operating system in Windows 7 like a native app, somewhat like a native app, right? So you can pin it to your start, your to your taskbar. It has little jump lists. You know, it can send you notifications, right? So if Hotmail gets a, you get a new email, email in Hotmail, you can get a little, you know, little star down there that says you get a new email, even though it's from a website, not from an application. Right. So they're kind of blurring the line. That's an interesting capability. They're not alone. I mean, that's what that's what's happening. With right. Web apps, but right? but the work that's occurring in IE9 and now in IE10 is of course around the web standards and HTML5 and CSS3 right. and all that stuff. Um, and what you see is an interesting thing where w and you get developers applauding for this stuff where you do a, a video demo in a browser where it's, it's inside of a box and there's different videos playing and everyone's, oh my God, look Ooh. at that. To which, I, you know, and I hate, to be, I hate to be that curmudgeon guy, right? But wasn't this interesting in Windows when Windows 95 came out? I mean, are we really going back that far in time that we're impressed that, you know? So I guess my argument about this stuff is simply... What I'd like to see from whatever this next platform is, I don't care what it is, mm -hmm. HTML5 and Silverlight or whatever, is next generation capabilities that are unique, just unique, period. Right. In other words, it shouldn't be impressive because now it's in a browser. It right. should just be impressive. You know, uh, they showed a demo of uh, Pac-Man running off of a website from Namco. You can pin, you know, pin the little Pac-Man thing. Yeah, again. Google's done this too. It's just to say, well, look all the cool things you could do in HTML5. It, which is neat. But again, my point right. is, if this is going to be the platform, then right. it needs to exceed. It's just like competing in the phone space, right? It's not enough to say, look, you, we can do something on the web that we could do in Windows five years ago. Right. You need, we need to be able to do something we could never do before, and it shouldn't matter where it runs. Right just make it work. So I think we're going to get there, you know, in the browser. I think there are things in, in Chrome and Firefox and, and in IE uh, that point to this future. I'm trying to think what the advantage is. I guess you can make simpler computers that just have, I mean, that's what Google's doing well, well, Chrome who's, OS. But who's that an advantage to? I mean, right. uh, it's not an advantage to Microsoft. I will tell you that, you know, this laptop is not my normal laptop. I brought it because it's small. I wanted something light. So I reformatted it before I came out. And I, and I, put a bunch of things down here in the taskbar that I use very regularly. It turns out, by the way, that most of these I haven't counted, but only two or three of these are actual applications, and the other ones are all websites, you know, web apps. Right. So now I'm on the plane. I fly in JetBlue. None I've got of them work. I have, right, I have extra room. I have the, the only seat in the plane that's not taken is right next to me. Yeah. I actually have all this space. Oh, man. So I'm thinking, wow, I've got five and a half hours, which, by the way, was an easy 90 minutes longer than I thought this flight was going to be, to work. This right. is great. This is I never get this opportunity in right. a plane. Wow. I have nothing with me locally. I could not do anything. <laughs> you got bit by the cloud. I literally moused around my file system for a few <laughs> minutes and then said, I can't do anything. I got to watch a movie. This is stupid. Oh. And and this is the problem. So, right. you know, there's uh, That's why they have internet on airplanes now. Right, but JetBlue doesn't have this, right. at least not on the plane I was right. on. So, you know, Don't you feel when you get on an airplane with that internet now that it's like you got to be kidding wrong. me. I, it's, something is wrong. And, and, yeah. it's, and by the way, it yeah. used to be because what I do for a living requires me to get, be connected. Now it's just, guess what? 
The entire U.S. population needs to be connected. Right. Let's get the program. I want to watch Netflix. Come on. Yeah, this is stupid. It is amazing. And how quickly that happened. Yeah. I, I mean, know. I remember when I it was a big deal that they had internet in airplanes, no, I, and now you're pissed by they the way, don't have it. To defend JetBlue, which I, is the only airline I love, they do have direct TV on the plane. Right. So even as the plane was taking off, you're watching I was watching TV. I was watching a Red Sox game I live. Thought, which I thought I was, too. Got, Red Sox, Yankees. It was yeah. terrible. But, uh, I, well, this was a... Oh, it was the next uh, day. It was Monday. The Devil Race, rather. Tampa. It was horrible, but anyway, <laughs> it was. But it was fascinating. I was watching the Red Sox. Yankees to be able to watch before. the Red Sox. It is. It's amazing. Uh, as you're taking off. As you're taking off. Yeah. You know when no electronics are allowed. I know. But we can watch. Except TV. for my headphones now, because now I can watch TV. Apparently, yeah. that's okay. Now. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to be plugged into their system. Yeah. And then we were on. I can't remember. Was it the new Continental slash United? Mm-hmm. And they say, I hope you're enjoying this because we're going to turn it off unless you pay six dollars. No. Yikes. Brought to you from AT&T. Yikes. They said, this free preview of the Yankees-Red uh, oh, Sox game. Me. It's like you're they, enjoying they wait this. until the guy's like two strikes down. Exactly. And then, it goes then they turn it off and say, that'll be $6. <laughs> what? You, he might have hit a home run. He might have struck out. But if you want to find no. out, yeah, that's too bad. No. So uh, you, we do, uh, you know, you and uh, uh, that Raphael guy mm-hmm. doing some great work on this Windows 8. You have even more. I should say, before we get to this, you know, uh, Raphael is uh, part of a team of uh, programmers. Uh, involves Chris Walsh and Long Zhang, who did the Chevron WP7 stuff, you know, the homebrew. They uh, broke Windows Phone or hacked into Windows Phone. Chris Walsh, of course, is the guy we talked about last week who figured out how to deliver the updates, and he was here. And we've been, we've been having a lot of fun at his expense, you know. Uh, like, I went, I went to Mix, and all I got was Walshed, you know, that kind of <laughs> thing. But uh, I should say hi to those guys, at least, because... Uh, yeah, it's he's been, pretty cool. Yeah. It's well, been, that's the interesting thing about Android, and one of the reasons that these updates make a big deal on Windows Phone 7. You know, every Android phone can mm-hmm. be rooted quickly, updated. Yeah. There's ROMs for all the latest versions of Android. So, of course, your carrier didn't provide them, but you can still get them, and you just don't have that capability. Well, right. thanks to Chris, I guess you do. Yep, yep, yep. You could put Donut or Dono. No dough. No dough. <laughs> Mofo. On your phone. I hope I don't, uh, this isn't upsetting anybody, but I'll, I'll give you an unsubstantiated rumor that I uh, heard secondhand. Love it. Will, Let's hear it. From a Microsoft employee, which was that Microsoft originally intended to provide all of the mix attendees with a copy of No Dough, uh-huh. right, the software update for Windows Phone, uh-huh. because, you know, a lot of people aren't getting it from their carriers. Right. Um, of course, the tool they were going to use is the one that Chris Walsh based his tool on. <laughs> But when Chris's, Chris Walsh's tool came out and they, and they examined it, they realized that doing it in this fashion actually could harm the phone. Oh. At least that's the story. So they asked, they, Chris, they, they can't. To, they asked Chris to shut it down. Right. Now, instead of thanking Chris for alerting them to this problem, because they would have potentially bricked thousands of phones here at Mix themselves, they make him look like a jerk and made him apologize. And, oh, wow. You know, which is a little, it makes this story even, oh. even more negative in a way. That uh, is interesting. Yeah. So the, if the had they done that, they would have done what Chris Walsh did. Well, what I should say, what Chris Walsh allegedly phones, did. did. Well, that's the story. I mean, I don't, you know, that's the thing. I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think so. Windows eight features now revealed include smart screen. Yeah. So over the past, not, You've not this been week, happy with your dumb screen for so long. <laughs> um, Raphael had written a number of posts about Windows eight. Um, Eventually, you know, it was weird because we went into this knowing that Microsoft would probably just shut us down, right? That they would say, right. time is done. Yep. Um, about a week into it, you know, we really hadn't heard anything from them yet. Cool. And, well, that made me a little nervous. That's you a know? license to steal. <laughs> so, well, we talked about it. We said, maybe we should just, maybe we should wrap this thing up, you know. And um, so we did. But 
Well, you know, of course, other people are posting some interesting stuff. We've, we've actually, Talk about a chilling effect. Yeah. You quit even before they said anything. This is, you know, well, uh, you know. Uh, it's your, I understand. You've got to keep a good relationship with we have, we have a book to write here. You can only go so far. Speaking of which, you know, you did that Squarespace ad. I should, I should have mentioned uh, for the Windows 8 Secrets book, we're going to have a website that will be, is, we're using Squarespace for that. And we're using uh, SharePoint and Office 365 oh, in the back end and everything. But anyway, yeah, the, web, the public website's actually going to be on You're going to spoil yourself and say, oh, yeah, I know, I know. I know. Yeah, Going from what I'm using to yeah, uh, modern content, well, to WordPress on my phone blog, and then to Squarespace on the on the yep. Windows one yep. will be awful. But welcome to the 21st century, Paul. Anyway, um, there are other people, of course, releasing information about Windows 8, and there are also some people coming down the pike who have actually broken into Windows 8 leaked builds in ways that are similar to what Raphael did. Oh. And so it's possible we might even see some more stuff that goes uh, deeper, and hopefully nothing that we had already had in the can. But well, you've uh, done your job. I think so. So no, this week we we and we're actually gonna, we'll probably do another one today or tomorrow because um, we've re- we, there's some additional stuff. But um, found out about some of the new features in Windows. So uh, so coming in Windows. So smart screen is a feature that's been in Internet Explorer since version eight, and it's basically around uh, preventing uh, drive-by attacks and malware oh, downloads okay. and things like that, okay. which is great if you use IE. But if you use Chrome or Firefox, you don't get that protection. What so, happens if you uh, if you go to a site that's got a malware on it? Does it well, it depends on how it's engineered and what browsers it's uh, designed to. But if you're to, an IE9, it will actually the screen goes red. You get a red bar at the top. It will it will prevent you from that's going. That's great. To, yeah, you could get through it if you wanted to, but you, it's very it obvious. You. It's very yeah. obvious. Yeah. So what they're doing in in Windows 8 is they're moving that capability right to the shell. Good. So it won't matter where the file comes from. Good. You could plug in a USB key uh, off Good. of a DVD, whatever it is. Different browser. Warning, warning. Yeah, so that's smart. I think that is smart. Um, we've known for some time that Windows 8 will include an app store of some kind. We, some, start, we saw some screenshots. Some screen, Maybe. I'm actually not positive about this one because I actually think they're going to call this thing Windows Marketplace, oh. not Windows App Store, which I is... I don't think so because Apple little, is already yeah, a little prickly I, about I that. I thought that yeah. was a little weird. So, And by the way, the screenshots look a little too much like the layout of the Apple okay. Mac Store, so it's, we'll see. It's but bogus. Absolutely, there's a store coming, so... We know that. We know that. Microsoft so. even said that. Right. Yeah. Um, History Vault was one that uh, this is, involves kind of a misconception. You know, a lot of people look at this and say, "Oh, this is like Time Machine on the Mac." To which I would say, actually, Time Machine on the Mac is like a feature Windows has had for years. So they just put a pretty face on top of it. So, back in Windows versioning, version restores. It's well, it's three different things, right? So one is versioning, right? So previous versions of files. Right. Microsoft added it to server back in 2003 when uh, sort of the version alongside Windows XP. They added it to Windows Vista, and it continues in Windows Seven. The problem is it's it's almost impossible to find. I mean, it's... Uh, it, I know. You know, people don't know it exists. That's the problem with it, right? Yeah. So the previous versions exist, and it works well for whatever that's worth, but it's hard to find. So this will be more exposed. Yeah, so that's one of them. Um, one of the other ones is, is your normal file backup, right? Typical, just backup. What we think of as backup. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got uh, documents and photos and music, whatever it is, and you, you want to back it up to right. someplace. And then the third one is the system image, you know, the ability to back oh, up the entire nice. state of your computer. Now, oh, that's nice. Now, all of these features are in Windows 7, but in Windows 8, they're all being consolidated into one nice UI called History Vault. Yeah, somebody told you know somebody called the radio show a couple of weeks ago and said, I need a, 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 a ghost, an imaging system for... Windows yeah. 7, I was you telling them one. easy use OS and stuff. And in the chat room said, oh, you know it's built into Windows. Yeah, I said, there. what? Yeah, I know. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. It's well, very the chat room knows. They're yeah. smart. But well, but it's, uh, these features it's are not well honest. exposed. Yeah. Let's put yeah. it that way. It's, 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 it's kind of a technical thing in a way, but it works really well. Uh, you yeah. know, and it's just people just don't know it's there. Yeah. Um, th- one of the things I'm most excited about is, uh, and we're going to see how far they go with this. I've talked about the need to separate the user data 
from the apps from the OS so that you could blow away the OS and not worry yes. about the other stuff. Now, now, I do it by hand by having a yes. data partition. You can physically separate them, and there are manual ways to do that today. But right. in Windows 8, apparently, based on the stuff we've seen, is uh, the ability to reinstall Windows where it blows away Windows but doesn't touch the applications, oh. doesn't touch the settings, doesn't, and doesn't touch, touch the, touch the data. Yes, huge. even the apps, and that's huge. And what that suggests is even if you only had the single partition, like a C partition, this should still work. And that's really interesting. So we'll see. In other words, uh, when I talk about physically, if you, it, it's not really physically, but we'll call it physically separating data, settings, apps, and OS, you're talking about a bit of a complexity, right? right? I mean, you have different partitions, essentially. Microsoft's approach, if I'm understanding it correctly, is to, to not worry about all that stuff. Right. Just, it, it, they'll be physically commingled, but we can still blow away the OS. And, and that's neat because um, in addition to this, Windows 8 installs really fast, eight, nine minutes, somewhere in there. So, Even faster than seven, yeah, and yeah. it's amazing. So what, what's it. what's cool about that is uh, today, um, if you get your system to a state where you're like, "Wow, I really need to blow this thing away," it's a daunting task because yes. again, you you're not even sure. You say, "Okay, well, I got to get my data out." I, if there was some way to back up my settings, and there is actually, but few people know about it, I need to do that, and then I have to find all my Windows applications and reinstall them, whether from the web or f- from disk or whatever it is. Any one of those things is the reason why people don't do that. Because they'll hit that point where they say, well, I don't have the Office installation disk. Now I can't do this. Yeah. So this not only removes that barrier, but it, it happens like this. I mean, imagine if you could say, well, I, my system's running a little slow. I'm just going to reinstall Windows. You hit a button. But will it be good enough to do that or yeah. get yeah. rid of it malware looks, or whatever? I mean, it, we will wipe out everything except so, your apps. And yeah, uh, that I don't know. Maybe not malware. malware but, but it will speed things up. It, yes. it will clean it up. This, is a, this looks like it's exactly what cool. we've been asking for. Yeah, so That's it looks, cool. That looks really nice. The rest of this stuff is just uh, little technical crap. things, but yeah, not crap. <laughs> well, you know, uh, for example, well, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one. So <laughs> you're, using a, you're using a computer here that has uh, solid-state storage and no optical disk. That's right. This is, it's the, this is the, the new norm, yep. right? Now, there are Windows PCs like this as well. Sure. You can run Windows in here, whatever sure. it is. In fact, I'm, I w- I'm really tempted to buy one of those Lenovo X220s with the yeah. solid-state drive. Boy, so, that's, that'd be sweet. And that's great. But if you have to install Office, you know, how do you do that? You know, uh, right. how do you do that? So You download it. Right. So in Windows today, you could download it, and you download an ISO, and right. then you could burn it to disk, or you could extract the ISO, which is a time-consuming process that requires you to find a third-party it's tool. It's not obvious. Or you could mount the, to- the ISO using a third-party tool, most of which right. are lousy or, you know, impact performance. They're kind of weird. So now yeah. what they've done in, in Windows 8 is they've made ISO files like zip files. They just work natively. Oh, hallelujah. That you, is a nice feature. You mount it. It shows up as yep. a disk. You run the yep. setup program. You get rid of it by ejecting nice. it, just like you do. Yeah, yep. so really nice. Very so sweet. That's, so that's, those are the, the Windows so 8 features only, of the week, I guess. I count only three of those are already on the Mac, so that's not too bad. <laughs> well, actually, I'll add a fourth. Um, I couldn't resist. OEM BIOS activation is a way that Microsoft can tie the activation of Windows to the hardware, and I'm guessing that's something that's not on the Mac. <laughs> no, either. it is not. So that's four. <laughs> <laughs> you lose, LaPorte. <laughs> we do not have OEM BIOS activation. Not yet. Who wouldn't, anyway. And who wouldn't, and want, wouldn't that? want that? What a feature. <laughs> hey, let's take a break. Come back with more. We're talking with Paul Thorat. Windows Weekly is on the air. We're uh, here at the National Association of Broadcasters show, the NAB show, uh, as we have been all week. And we have more coverage from uh, NAB tomorrow as well. So uh, make sure you tune in 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific Time, 12 noon tomorrow for continued coverage of the NAB show. We thank NAB for bringing us here. Uh, and we also thank uh, the folks at LiveView for making our stream possible. We'll use that 3G backpack to stream not only here, but tonight at the Bob Heil Party and many other places. And, uh, of course, our friends at New Tech for the TriCaster HD850, those sweet switcher. It's sweet. 
Uh, the show brought to you by Hover.com. Domain name registration made simple. I saw the other day that 20,000 people left the other guy after that video he posted. The elephant video? 20,000 customers out really? the door. I don't, you know, there are better reasons to leave that company. Oh, there are plenty. And I can, seriously, <laughs> from having uh, spent a lot of time trying to configure SharePoint through this yeah. company, yeah. let's just say their interfaces are somewhat <sighs> Byzantine. That's why we love Hover. Hover makes it simple. Uh, you couldn't get easier. Now, somebody sent me an email and said, well, I found cheaper registration somewhere else. I'm not saying it's the cheapest by any means. Most of the time, if it costs less, it's because you're also buying hosting or some other service. In fact, that's one of the things many of these other services do is they upsell you like crazy. So you try to buy, do a simple thing like register, you know, therot.com, and you end up clicking 100 buttons before you get through the domain yeah, registration. Please, please don't try doing that, by the way. way. Yeah. Don't. It's not available. <laughs> Um, now, Hover makes it easy. A simple one-click button. You st- they sell- what they sell is domain registration service. You can, you can have emails, uh, you, but, but, I mean, it's, they're not upselling you. Who is privacy is built in. It's part of the price. Uh, and I love this for the Twit audience. They've uh, now added free transfer concierge service. So if you have a number of sites and you'd like to transfer them to Hover.com, usually they'll do that for $25. They're going to waive that fee. If you go to windows.hover.com, W-I-N-D-O-W-S dot H-O-V-E-R dot com. Transfers cost 10 bucks per domain name, but you get an extra year. So that's $10 for an additional year plus the transfer, and they're going to waive the, you know, the, the concierge fee. You could still do it free if you're going to do it by hand, but I trust me, have them do it. I learned my lesson. It's so much easier as you're transferring your domain over. Uh, and so we're not done yet. We also want to encourage you to get 10% off your domain registration costs by going to windows.hover.com and using the offer code WINDOWS when you check out. So there's a lot of good reasons to use Hover, including their no-hold policy for calls during regular business hours. They're just really nice guys, really a good company, make it very simple. They don't try to trick you into anything. It's what, what you see is what you get. It's clean, it's simple, it's the way to do it. Windows.hover.com. We thank them for their support of uh, Windows Weekly. So a couple of news items. I thought I'd love to know what you thought. Uh, mm-hmm. Google uh, got ITA. I'm surprised. I thought that the regulatory uh, process would not go so smoothly. Uh, this is the travel um, uh, services yeah, company. Yeah, back-end services. Yeah, it's going to give Google kind of the thing that Bing already has, where you enter a search for a flight. Well, except that Bing gets that from ITA. Yeah, basically. which is why I this mean, was obviously, an issue. Uh, well, the front end came from the company they purchased whose name I'm now Right, forgetting. but ITA does this for but everybody. ITA does the back end. Yeah, yeah, for everybody. Yeah. And the idea being Google searches now will, uh, will be smart about travel information, flight information. Faircast so was the name of that. Faircast, company. okay. I think. Um, did they get any, were there any restrict, restrictions? On yeah, so th- it's really funny. Uh, I also expected the U.S. government basically to say no. That's what I thought. Which actually is what they did whatever oh. that's worth. So the government actually said, to your proposal, we say no. However, here's a new proposal. Uh, we'll call it a settlement. And here are some restrictions. And if you agree to this, you can have a ITA. So Google immediately agreed. And now both sides can claim that they won because Microsoft and the companies that were allied against Google can say, look, you, you got the concession. You know, we got the concessions we were asking for. And Google got a ITA, which is what they were looking for. So Good. the deal is going to go Worked through. out well. Yeah, it seems like it's fine. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. So I think the trick's going to be down the road when Microsoft will inevitably complain that Google has some functionality on their site that is not exposed through some API 
yet, and they will complain about that, and we'll go to court. And I, I, I think Jeez. that's I think that's how this is going to roll. So it's not over. Forward. I don't think so by any means. Well, they have ITA, so that's over. I mean, there's right. no doubt about it. But they've they've set it up so that there is a you know a mitigation process that has to occur, right. and, and Google has to adhere to certain rules and so forth. I think that's appropriate. Yeah, yeah, I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Speaking of lawsuits, the Winklevi. <laughs> I love this story. Now the Winklevoss twins. If you saw the Social Network, you know those are the the Harvard rowing yeah, twins yeah. who came to Mark. Zuckerberg and said, hey, we want to create a site called Harvard Connection. Will you write the software? He said yes, but never did write anything. Kept putting them off. And then in that time, wrote Facebook, <laughs> which <laughs> was exactly it. what those guys Watched were trying to do. Much to their do. chagrin. Yeah. Uh, they sued, and what we didn't know was what they got, and now I guess that's come out in this lawsuit. They got $20 million plus a stake mm-hmm. that is in total worth $160 million. Now, now. Uh, I think that's what it's worth now. I think originally it was worth 65 but because right. go- uh, Facebook's value has okay. gone up, right. yeah, they're doing pretty good again. Yeah. Uh, it's worth $165 million. But they said, no, we want more. We want billions. <laughs> well, <laughs> And the judge said, no, get So assuming here. this story is true, and I, I'm, I'm leaning toward thinking it might be. Uh, oh, I totally believe, especially yeah. with this new lawsuit. I think so. Yeah. Um, That's where we're going to see some fire. Uh, they, they've been screwed twice, right? So they came up but with come the come on. I- they got $160 million. Right. But Facebook is worth whatever billion dollars, and they came up with the idea and were screwed out of it. I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying, but... You know, I, 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 they have a point. I guess, you know, according to the judge, uh, he called it buyer, or, uh, settler's remorse and said, you know, sorry, you can't come I back. Think the issue the is it's easy to have an idea. Mm-hmm. Facebook is not Facebook because of the idea. Facebook well, is Facebook because of the implementation. So this was not accurately portrayed in the movie, by the way. But one of the things that is true about the story is that much of the coding of the site was already done before Mark Zuckerberg showed Did up. Did he use their code? Yes. <laughs> That's part of the charge. Oh, so not that's only a not, not, not only did he not use like write anything for them, he actually oh. took code. <laughs> I didn't know part, yeah, that. Yeah, so it's that's, that's part of it. something else. Yeah, so they yeah. were. It, it's not just code. That's a little but legitimate. Actual though. code and then actual functionality, right? So, yeah, this is part of the complaint. Anyway, it doesn't matter because they, 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 whatever he did doesn't matter because they settled. Right. So they basically agreed. That's what the judge said. You can't. You, say right. Let's start over. Now their complaint, their second complaint, the thing that led to this uh, appeal is actually kind of interesting because they said that Facebook, in their dealings with them during the settlement, lied to them about the value of the right. company. Thus, their settlement was worth less than what it should have been. Right. That's an interesting argument, but unfortunately, uh, I guess according to the law, according to the court, you're done. Uh, yeah, done is Sorry. done. Now they could they could go to the Supreme Court. I don't, I don't know. I think at this point they need to just well, walk You've convinced me. I, the, the, the issue of having stolen code is very different. If he actually used reused their code, that's yeah. very different. I, the, the movie is fantastic, and I think it is a, a very accurate portrayal of the events right. in that sense. But I, there are, you know, it's a movie, so uh, the dialogue is all invented by right. and large. Right. And then uh, there are there are streamlining that, that occurs, right, when you're trying to tell a story as a movie. So. Now, the, the Celia story is very interesting. Paul Celia is a convicted felon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For fraud, okay. Uh, he uh, sued last year. Uh, this is the other, uh, yeah, in, yeah, uh, yeah, in upstate New York, yeah. saying, uh, uh, "No, I, I should get half of Facebook because I funded it." And everybody laughed and said, "The guy, look, the guy's got mm-hmm. a bad history. This can't sure. possibly be true." Um, dun dun dun. He now is with a much larger white shoe law firm. Right. Uh, and apparently they have a they have smoking guns. They have emails. They have a cashed check. Sure. It looks like this guy hired Zuckerberg when he was seventeen or eighteen to write something called Street Facts, 
Hmm. Uh, which he did and paid him $1,000 for and then gave him another $1,000 to start the Facebook. And... Um, huh. Huh. <laughs> uh, the emails that have been produced between him and Zuckerberg are... You know, Zuckerberg's downfall is got to be his, I don't know, ego or hubris or whatever, but this was obviously the problem in the previous lawsuit was all of the email that was retained, which made him look very bad. Well, what's uh, interesting, it looks like he did something similar. Now, again, I don't yeah. know what the merit of this, but something similar to the Celia guy. Um, in, in, in other words, saying, I'll take your money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll write this site. Mm-hmm. And then he tried to buy him off saying, oh, I'm not going to. He said, it's not going anywhere. Facebook's a flop. Um, <laughs> here's, your, here's your money back. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, there may be more here than we thought. And there's also this, I think there's this a little bit, now you're starting to a little bit wonder about Mark Zuckerberg. And I, his, uh, I have always wondered about Mark Zuckerberg. Luke. I mean, I, there are guys who founded companies like uh, Bill, Al, uh, Bill Allen, Paul Allen and uh, Bill Gates, or Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, um, who, you know, there are stories about them, but they're well known, and there's no doubt about their inspiration and, and, and dedication and all that stuff. You know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, he's never struck me as one of those guys, ever, you know. Uh, I thought he was really smart, but now I'm wondering. I don't know. I don't, I don't Facebook, know. Facebook, of course, denies it, and we'll, they'll, sure. he'll go to trial and we'll find out, and I'm sure they'll settle. He wants half the company. He wants 50 or $60 billion. Sure. Um, I'm sure they'll settle uh, out of court. We may never know what really went on here. but uh, It's going to cost them a lot of money, it sounds like. I, I'm surprised. It. I thought there was no. I thought this was a laugh, laugher. Sure. sure, sure, sure. I mean. You have to think this is, this is probably going to be it, right? Could there be other origin stories that we haven't well, heard? Well, that's what I'm wondering. I mean. <laughs> Don't you wonder now? We're talking about a you know a six month period, you know, to, <laughs> six years Holy ago. Holy cow! Yeah, that's crazy. Well, we'll be talking about that on Twitter, I'm sure, this Sunday. Paul Therod is editor in chief of the Windows Super, excuse me, Super Site for Windows WindsSuperSite.com. I am news editor of Windows IT Pro. He's analyst for Penton Media. He's out here for Mix. How long? How much longer are you gonna be out here? I'm leaving tonight. My bag's at the press room. His bags are <laughs> packed. He's ready to go. Yeah, in and out. In and out. Well, it's really great to see you, you Paul. too. Thank you. We don't get to work together in person very often, so it's always well. I'll fun see you again that. in the summer. We're going to come out in Good. August. So. Good. You'll so. see that you'll be in the new yep. studio. That'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, uh, of course, watch us do this show normally every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern at live.twit.tv, and subscribe for download later uh, at uh, twit.tv/slash double 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 w for Windows uh, Weekly. Uh, coming up this week in Google, we're going to go back to the studio. Mm-hmm. We will be back here in Vegas later this evening, 6 p.m., uh, for the Bob Heil party. We'll put all of the NAB show stuff on Bob our, Heil as in, as Heil in Heil? the microphone you're talking wow. to. Yeah. They have they don't do a booth. They just have a hell of a party. And a hell of a party? A hell of a party. <laughs> we're going to be there live starting, I think, at 6 tonight. Nice. And then more coverage tomorrow starting at 9 a.m. from uh, our Sky booth here in beautiful Las Vegas Convention Center. Palatial South Hall. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, if the, if the, if, well, it's actually more like the box the palace came in <laughs> than the palace itself. That's Paul, true. thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you. See you next week on Windows Weekly. Weekly.